Hi, this is Blake Andrews, lead pastor at Victory World Outreach, Denton, Texas. This is our podcast, and we're so glad that you came to check it out today. I hope this message encourages you and inspires you to do great things for God. Praise God. Just before you're seated, why don't you raise your hands right there? Gracious God, we worship and honor you. Gracious God, we humbly bow our hearts to you tonight. Have your way for your glory, for your honor. Move in the hearts of your sons and daughters tonight. We honor you. We give you the praise and the glory and the worship. Have your way this night. In your name we pray. In Jesus' name. And everybody in the house said, Amen. You may be seated. You know, a little while ago, my wife and I were in Parisburg, Parisburg, Virginia. And I had spent the week there going into public schools in the small community of Parisburg, this county. They, God gave us favor and they gave us every public school, every middle school and high school in the county. And we were able to go in and I was able to share my story in the schools and believe for favor that we could invite the kids out on the Saturday at one of the largest local school gymnasiums on a Saturday where we could preach the gospel. And the gymnasium was filled and we saw so many kids that night stand up publicly in front of their peers and their friends and they came to Christ. And it was amazing. But the next, yeah, praise God. That's amazing. Awesome. Through the public school system, go figure that. And on the Sunday, the next day, we were at a local community church and we were ministering there, and one of the young girls, she was about 15 or 16, is that right, Darth? She was at one of the schools, and she was impacted, and she came to the event on Saturday night and was impacted, and so she came to church the next day on the Sunday, but she brought her mother with her this time. Now, her mother was a believer, but never attended that church. She was from somewhere else. Anyhow, we're talking to them, and she was so full of the joy of the Lord, beautiful young lady. And and she was so excited about introducing her mother. And her mother was a great blessing to Tanya and I. And we got to meet her, just beautiful lady and beautiful daughter. After church, the pastor comes up to us and he says, do you know who that lady was? I said, no, I just met her today. Tanya and I met her. Her daughter that was at school and stuff brought her mom. He said, that incredible lady... Not that long ago, she went through one of the most horrific experiences that anyone could ever endure. I'm like, really? What happened? One morning, she woke up. She had eight children. She said to the oldest one, I'm just going down to the corner store to get some groceries. I'll be back in a little bit, like she had done many times. She goes to the store, as she had done countless times before. She gets the groceries, she's driving home, but this day, as she pulled into her street where her home was, she pulled into her street to be overcome by the most horrific sight she could ever see. There was a gas explosion in her home, and her home was no longer there. Out of the eight children, how many were killed? Six of the eight children were instantly killed. 
and I'm looking at this lady in church. And I saw her there with her hands raised, worshipping God. And I thought to myself, woman, how are you even standing on two feet? Why aren't you angry and bitter and jaded and resentful to God? How could you let this happen? And I saw her there worshipping the Lord, that this woman could stand there glowing with the love of Christ and actually with hands raised singing, God is good. And I realized something so profound that that mighty woman of God had experienced the comfort of the Holy Spirit in her life that is supernatural. That woman had experienced a supernatural peace that is beyond comprehension or understanding. And I thought it is only because of this miracle God we serve that has even been able to give that woman the strength to get up and just keep going in life. I guarantee you there's days that she wakes up and the tears flow. I guarantee you there's days that something happens that reminds her and the tears instantly fill her eyes. But God has used that lady and her husband to travel around bringing a message of hope and healing and comfort in Christ to other families that have gone through tragic grief and pain and loss. See, friends, we live in a world, we live in a culture that is wanting to knock you to your knees. We live in a world and a culture that is throwing literally everything at you to turn your, to tear your families, your children, your communities, your homes, your, your country, your lives. We live in a world that is absolutely on a mandate and a mission to totally Bring us to our knees and knock the wind out of our sail, especially if you claim to be a follower of Jesus Christ. I believe more than ever in this great country, if you are going to be bold to stand up and say, I follow Jesus Christ, there is a day that is coming quickly where it is going to cost you to even utter those words. That there is a day coming that you better you better be somebody that has an absolute deep conviction and adoration and love for him that no matter what we face, <laughs> no matter what comes our way, we will never give up. We will just keep going. And tonight, I believe that this is such a timely message for us tonight, for the church in America, but especially for this house tonight. I say praise God for the incredible, miraculous journey of what this church has been through yesterday. Praise God for yesterday, but it's a new day. And we look around at the blessing of this facility if you've been a part of the journey and the miracle of getting in this, to this facility, if this is your home church, feel free to clap right now and thank God for the miracle of this blessing. Come on. But God. Oh, but friends, praise God for this. But let me say, God has so much more. 
that he's called us as the local church so much more here. Do you realize how blessed you guys are to live in the outback of America, Texas? Denton, Texas? Do not look at past and think, oh, you should be so thankful that we attend this church. I say, ha, forget it. You should be thankful and thank God that you are blessed to be a part of the local church, that you are blessed to be a part of God's kingdom, local church family. (laughs) You might think pastors should be so thankful But I volunteer. (laughs) No, let me remind us all that it is a privilege and an honor to serve in the house of God. Amen. So I want to encourage us all tonight. You can see the screen up there. What does that say? Just keep going. Men, don't give up on your marriages. Just keep going. Wives, Don't give up on us knucklehead men sometimes. Keep fighting for us. Keep praying. Church, don't give up on your faith. If you have your Bibles with you, I want to read you one of the most named, claimed, spoken, prayed, sung, confessed scriptures in the Bible. You've probably prayed this many times yourself. Maybe you have prayed this scripture over somebody else. Maybe you've stood on an altar call somewhere and somebody has prayed this scripture and prayer over you. So we're going to look at this tonight. As soon as I start to read it, oh, you'll know it. If you have your Bibles, would you open them? If not, we'll put the Bible in the sky up there for you. The book of Jeremiah, (laughs) chapter 29 Verse 11, this is God speaking to his people through the prophet Jeremiah. This is what it says. You know this well. It says, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. Let's stop there. When we read Scripture... It is always so important that we understand the context, the context, the context. We understand if this is a general word given to God's people, not only back then but today. Or was this a specific word given to a specific individual or people group or nation? you got to understand at the time... God's people had gone into Babylonian captivity. I don't know about you guys, but that doesn't sound like something I want on the top of my bucket list. Babylonian captivity, good or bad, we're about to be uprooted from our heritage, from our homes, and we're about to be sent into a foreign land under a foreign dictator in Babylonian captivity. And at the time... When this was happening, all the Jewish and Babylonian prophets were standing up, apparently in the name of the Lord, saying to the people, Oh, 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 don't worry. Before you know it, this is going to be over. Before you know it, life is going to go back to the way it used to be. Before you know it, this captivity will end 
and we will be able to return to our home, to the old way of life. Kind of reminds me a little bit of what we've gone through in this great nation over the last several years. You do not need a theological degree. If you have an eye device or a computer, you would understand the nature of the culture we live in today through social media, online. There is hundreds and hundreds of people who are apparently speaking out in the name of the Lord saying this and that and this and that is going to happen, won't happen, shall happen, it's about to happen. Now, you don't have to have a degree in theology to realize, bless these people, but most of them were wrong. And the same scenario back then with God's people. Everyone, these prophets were saying, don't worry. Oh, before you know it, it's going to be over. But along comes Jeremiah. And he speaks to the people inspired by the word of God. And let's take this scripture now, not just rip out a little passage, a verse or two, and mold it and shape it and twist it to fit my agenda, my identity, my purpose, my desire, my dream, my goal. But let's give this scripture now some context. Let's just read a few extra verses on either side of what I just read. You with me? So let's read the same scripture, but add a few more verses around it. This time reading from Jeremiah 29, this time from verse 9 to 14. This is what it says. This is God speaking (laughs) through the prophet Jeremiah to his people. It says this. This is what the Lord God Almighty, the God of Israel says. Do not let the prophets and diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. They are prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. This is what the Lord says. You will be in Babylon for 70 years. Ouch. But then I will come and do for you all the Good things I have promised, and I will bring you home again. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. In those days when you pray, I will listen. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. I will be found by you, says the Lord. I will end your captivity and restore your fortunes. I will gather you out of the nations where I sent you and will bring you home again to your own land. Friends, we need to understand that the book of Jeremiah is all about God intervening and disrupting his people's plans and upending his people's hopes and dreams. This verse comes in the context of a shocking message from the prophet. Now, I'm not here to tear down, and you will never hear me from the platform, attack or tear down other ministries, other churches, other preachers. I say... God help us. Some of us, the best we can can do is just get off social media. Just turn it off. 
If you have a problem with a pastor, with a church, with somebody, the best thing, if you're only attacking them, as many say, out of a pure and a wholesome motive, because we love the church. If you have a problem with somebody, take it to the prayer closet and pray for them. Intercede for them. Believe for God's hand to move. I want to remind us all, God can use prophetic people to speak into our lives. I look back in my life, in Tanya's life, God has used strategic people that have brought the word of the Lord that was absolutely life-changing, and I see the fruit, the good fruit that came out of that. And God can use people. You don't have to be a prophet or set you up on social media, a self-proclaimed prophet. You could have a word of knowledge to give to somebody. And I've experienced that. But let me remind us all. Oh, let's all be reminded. You know who the loudest voice that should be speaking into our lives daily should be? The voice of the Holy Spirit. The loudest voice that we are attuning our ear to daily. The scripture talks about how his sheep recognize, know, his sheep understand and hear his voice. You only get to hear and recognize and understand the voice of the shepherd if you have deliberately been disciplining yourself to daily spend time listening to the voice of the shepherd. And again, I'll say it for balance. God can use people to speak in our lives. Hopefully God will speak through Tanya and I to you. Hopefully at church each week through the man of God, God speaks through him to inspire. And praise God for leadership and pastors and teachers and apostles. Praise God for all of them. But the loudest voice that should be speaking to us, amen, should be the voice of the Holy Spirit through our own intimacy and devotion to God. we got to understand, it is so crucial today. See, we got to realize that there is a mandate given to the church more than any time in this great nation's history. You've you, you got to be kidding if you're sitting there thinking that the only purpose of you to be here is to be on a church role that you attend a local church and fill a seat once or twice a week at a local church. Ha <laughs> Man, God has saved you. He has shed his blood for the miracle of you. Like my brother that was sharing the miracle of his testimony, you have a great testimony that God is wanting your life to be a beacon of light, a hope. But the enemy wants to extinguish that light. Especially over the last couple of years, what we have been through in this nation, there has been a demonic attack behind the curtain that has done everything to shut the local church down. That has done everything to silence our voice. That has done everything to cause us to be so anxious, so exhausted, so tired that we just don't have the energy or the fight or the strength or the courage or the determination to keep going. The enemy would love nothing better than Victory World Outreach would get to the miracle of this place. And we're thankful to be here, but man, it's hard work. God, we're getting tired. 
The enemy would love nothing if you and I would stop the miraculous journey that he has us on as his church. In the book of Hebrews, if you would put that up there, chapter 12, reading from verse 1 to 3, the writer inspired by the Holy Spirit paints this incredible, miraculous, spectacular picture. Let's read it. It says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses, who are these witnesses? You, me, our neighbors, <laughs> the community, a chapter early, inspired by the Holy Spirit in this book, it spoke about the great men and women of faith who died and went home to be with the Lord. Great men and women of God who saw God do incredible exploits in their lives and through their lives. And they've run the race. They've kept the faith. Now they're in glory. And it's like these witnesses now that you and I today on planet Earth, we're surrounded with them as if these great men and women who gave their lives before us, it's like heaven's gaze is looking at you and I today. Heaven's gaze, we're surrounded by this great testimony of witnesses as if there is a running field and they're in the bleachers and you and I are on the running track. Why? Because the responsibility of the kingdom of God, the baton, the great commission has been passed to you and I. What are we going to do with it? <laughs> sit down, retire, sit on the bleachers, hand it off to somebody else? Put money in an offering so people who are into that and wired that way and have the enthusiasm or the energy can go on a mission trip aboard. The responsibility is given to every single one of us. We might not all be pastors and be as tall as my incredibly tall brother from another mother over there. We might not all be missionaries from Australia, but we're all in the ministry. You, we all have a testimony <laughs> that we can be a beacon of love and encouragement and life. What are we going to do with the responsibility of the Great Commission? It's, the Great Commission isn't just, <laughs> isn't just a take it or leave it accessory <laughs> that we can wear occasionally at the missions conference. We're not a part of the new improved Jesus. The church today seems like we have a new improved gospel in Jesus. This is Jesus plus 2.0. <laughs> He's new and improved. And when you come to this new improved Jesus plus 2.0, you can download all the benefits you want. When you download into your lifestyle to make him fit into your world, you can tick the box. What do I want? Prosperity and blessing. Amen. Tick that box. <laughs> Influence, health. Amen. Tick that box. Sharing my faith with others. Um, decline. Actually, even the little box under that, I don't want to receive even any updates or alerts or emails from you either. <laughs> the Great Commission isn't an optional accessory. Take it or leave it. 
And I don't stand here pointing a message and pointing the finger at you. The same Spirit of God is convicting my heart. How dare I as a leader, as a missionary, how dare I stand on this stage and try to tell you to do things that I and Tanya aren't doing ourselves? How dare I tell you to give your heart and passion to God if you don't see me leading the way? How dare I tell you to have a heart of generosity, to serve and to give of your resource to the Lord if you don't see me being the first to give of everything, whatever I have for His glory. Amen? That's a responsibility. Responsibility. I tell you what, uh, we are living in the most demonstrative, I believe, the most exciting, the most incredible era of the church that we get to be alive today to see what God is doing around the world, what He's going to do in this great nation. But friends, we got to keep going We can't allow the enemy to cause us to become weary or frustrated or offended or wounded. We've got to get up and just keep going at any cost. We have a responsibility. Like I said last night, I've got to stand before the Lord one day. And I want to hear, you remember what I said last night? When I stand before the Lord, I want to hear, well done, incredible little handsome bore man with an accent. Well done. I don't want to hear the alternative. Depart from me, I never knew you. When we stand before him, he wants to look at us and see a reflection of himself in you and I. That our lives are not our own. Our desire is his desire. Our passion is His passion. Our cry is His cry. Our joy is His joy. Our peace is His peace. But let me say this. Oh, it's never too late to start. Maybe this seems a little strange to you. and Maybe you in the past haven't felt like, well, what can I do? You know my dad was an uneducated man. You heard the testimony of my dad last night? Those of you, the miracle of his transformation. My dad led more people to the Lord than anyone I've ever met. He was the greatest, most passionate, the most joyous evangelism uh, evangelist on the face of the planet I've ever known. But how? What, What did he use? He was Italian and he was passionate about food and hospitality. Food was my dad's love language. So he he loved barbecues and feeding people and, and he used his life as a testimony and he used food. You might say, well, what can I do? I can't do anything. It's like, come on, can you cook something? You might say, oh, I've got you there, John James. <laughs> yes, I could, but that won't work for me. Cook for other people and use hospitality. I'm a terrible cook. If I cook for people, they'd never come back to my home again. I'm like, really? You haven't heard a takeout? <laughs> See, we, we look for every, uh, every excuse to validate, to justify... My inactivity for the kingdom of God. 
I was at a, at a conference once and I was sharing about evangelism and there was this one lovely person and, and uh, they stood up and they said, excuse me, I am almost, it's almost like they were offended because I was challenging them. They said, I have a calling. I'm an intercessory prayer warrior. Oh, crikey, what a title. I said, that's awesome. What an encouragement you can be to all of us to encourage us all. We need to pray more. But please, person, <laughs> show me in the scripture where it says you can negate your personal responsibility to the Great Commission because you're an intercessory prayer warrior. <laughs> it's not rocket science. We love to complicate our testimony. It's not rocket science. Love God, love life, and love people. Open up your heart and your life. Use whatever God has given you. Look for opportunities. Crikey, we're in, what was that place where we had that awesome burger last night? No, don't tell them they might all come there tonight. And there'll be a massive line. Don't tell them. Brands, it's, it's like we're sitting there talking about the Lord, but even there, we're, we're, you know, I'm looking around looking for opportunities. <laughs> Just to love on somebody, encourage them, amen? The responsibility. So Hebrews chapter 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by this huge crowd of witnesses to the life of fate, let us strip off every weight. Oh, I wish I had time to talk about the weights. Oh, every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us, everybody say us. And let us run with endurance. The race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people, then you won't become weary and give up. Friends, in the space of three verses, the word endurance was used three times. In the original Greek meaning to that word endurance, it means to bear up under the weight of, <laughs> the ability to withstand great pain or hardship. Kind of sounds like America over the last couple of years. <laughs> The ability to continue despite fatigue, stress, or adverse conditions. Endurance. In today's culture, this incredible culture we live in today, in today's culture, <laughs> the patience to endure. Endurance, long-suffering, persecution is just so foreign. We live in a culture today that wants to remove every ounce of stress, opposition, resistance, endurance, long-suffering, pain from our lives. Oh, I can't deal with the drama. <laughs> I, I can't talk to those people anymore. I just can't deal with the drama. I'm tired of the drama. I just want a stress-free life. <laughs> it's almost like in today's culture, the word endurance 
<laughs> has become a cuss word. It's like, we, we don't want that. Pain, endurance, long suffering, long jeopardy. <laughs> we live in a culture today that embraces instant, quick, now. I want the reward, but as long as it's painless. A culture we live in today that don't worry, everybody gets a trophy, little Johnny. Just because you were born. Hey, I work with kids. I understand the importance of affirming children. We speak in a recovery place in Florida where some of these girls have been sex trafficked, incest, raped, molested. These girls walk in, they are so broken. They've never known what it is to have the loving encouragement or embrace of a wholesome family figure, a dad, a mum. I understand the importance of our words to powerfully bring life and hope. But at the same time, we live in a culture today where everybody's going to get a trophy just because you have emotions. <laughs> the truth is this. We're setting young people up. We're setting people up for failure. Because the world ain't like that. <laughs> and the reality is, especially if you know, because you're a follower of Christ, but the reality is every man, woman, and child alive or whoever lived is going to stand before God one day, whether you believe it or not. And on that great day, let us not forget... <laughs> The harsh reality on that great day, not everyone's going to get a trophy. Not everyone's going to get an reward. Ouch. But today's culture is doing everything. Even technology we have is reprogramming endurance, patience, long-suffering from our lives. Even technology daily is changing us, and we don't even realize it. You remember in the olden days, Pastor, because you're old. Uh, you remember in the olden days when you used to actually write a letter? And for those of you who are really old, you remember the olden days where you actually even wrote in cursor? <laughs> and you posted that letter, and depending on where it went, it, it would take weeks, months, it could take forever. But you understood that was the endurance and the process to get it done. Oh, but there was such a cry from humanity that echoed out into the universe and the powers of the cosmos heard the cry and the pain of the inhabitants of the earth that we hate long-suffering, patience, endurance, and the, and the universe finally responded with the greatest miracle we've known, our phones with texting. Oh, that have changed our lives and we're all so much better because of it now. These devices that we can just send a message of, it's wonderful. Our phones <laughs> have also been the instrument of destroying more relationships, more friendships, more lives, more marriages on the face of the planet. <laughs> oh, that's a bit extreme. Oh, come on. Oh, come on. Now you're being uh, an extremist. Yeah, really? They're removing our sense of endurance, our sense of patience. I'll give you an example. Have you ever sent a text? Because we all know when you or I send a text, the world must stop. 
Because my text is life-changing and so important and demean and demands immediate attention of response. You send a text, you send it off. Ten minutes later, the follow-up text, hello, are you ignoring me? Are you upset with me? Have I done something wrong? And God forbid that this person is so rude and inconsiderate to make you wait all day to get a reply. How rude is that person? They're so selfish. Has this ever happened to you? You send your life-changing text. You send it, uh-huh, 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 send. And then you see the little bubble writing the response. You're waiting and holding your breath. <laughs> then all of a sudden, the unthinkable happens and the bubble disappears. You are so rude. Block, block. I'm going to block you for at least 24 hours. How's that? Blocked. Remember in the olden days when, uh, when we used to send a package in the mail? Put the string around it, the paper, whatever, off it would go. This incredible miracle that took place that had actually got there. <laughs> but again, we hate the wait, endurance, patience, long-suffering. And then we were given the most life-changing miracle that humanity has ever known, the miracle of Amazon Prime. Because we hate the wait. Waiting, endurance, patience, long-suffering – is such an inconvenience to my busy lifestyle. I ain't got time for that. You know, on that crazy Amazon Prime, I've ordered stuff and it's arrived the same day. I'm like, that's creepy. And then like people in the trees that work for them that are spying on my home and listening, get ready, the wife is about to order something again. Quick, they've ordered it. Get the truck around the corner. It's like amazing. Amazing. See, even technology is removing a sense of endurance, of long-suffering, of patience. Even when now we come to the Word of God. Oh, God, I want a miracle. I want a breakthrough. I want a deliverance. I want a provision. I want a healing. In Jesus' name, but I want it now. And then we have the audacity to tell God because God is always into doing it immediately just for us. Because when you read the Bible on page 156, they need a miracle, turn the page, and it was right there, the miracle. Because in the space of a few turns of a page, we can read through years. Years of a journey, of the process, of the endurance, of the longevity. Here is God telling his people, 70 years, I'm sending you into captivity. Now, there's going to be good and bad, but there's nothing you can do that will abort the process. You can jump up and down, name it, claim it, confess it, spin around, Roll around, shake around, do whatever you want, but it's not going to change my purpose and my heart and my plan and my desire. I pray that it's God's church. Whatever we walk through, whether it's COVID or what's next or whatever is thrown at us, whatever we face, 
that we would not lose a sense of endurance. We may get knocked down, but with God's strength, we get back up again. And we say, God, give us the strength just to keep going. God, I've been knocked to my knees. The wind has been knocked out of my sail. I can't go on. God, give me the strength to just keep going. I want to give you a story of one of the most miraculous demonstration of endurance other than the Word of God that I've ever witnessed and seen with my own eyes. This is the miraculous, the crazy, the incredible true story of a crazy Australian. (laughs) Makes sense. (laughs) A 61-year-old potato farmer from Australia who used to also be a sheep farmer. He went on One day at the age of 61, something got into his brain. He's crazy. I don't know. He decided at the age of 61, he was going to run and compete in one of the world's most grueling ultra marathons. Let me read the story to you. True story. In 1983, the 61-year-old potato farmer, formerly a sheep farmer, competed but also went on to win. The famous inaugural Sydney to Melbourne Ultra Marathon, a distance of 544 miles. On the first day of the event, when all the contestants were arriving, attention quickly was around this colourful character. It was reported that Mr. Young rocked up complete in overalls and gumboots. As people in the media were talking to him, it was quickly noticed that he never had his dentures in his mouth. Later on, he was asked why he never was wearing his dentures. He replied, he said, he was worried that they would rattle in his mouth when he ran. On the first day of the the race, it was reported that Mr. Young... (laughs) ran at a painfully slow and loping pace and trailed the pack significantly by a large margin by the end of the first day. Let me very quickly, I wish I had a video that I don't. This is literally how this 61-year-old potato farmer, formerly a sheep farmer, literally, you can, you can watch it on YouTube there. But this is how he used to run. This, this is not Forrest Gump Part 2, <laughs> some new you know, Hollywood movie. This is a true story. Listen to this. <laughs> At the end of the first day's grueling run, when all the competitors stopped for a much-needed night of rest, recuperation, refreshment before an early start the next morning. While all the other competitors who were exhausted and worn out bunked down for a night of sleep. However, when it came to Mr. Young, he just kept running. The enemy will stop at nothing to stop the mandate 
of the local church. The enemy will stop at nothing to extinguish your testimony and the miracle of your life's journey. The enemy would love nothing that if Victory World Outreach and Denton, that we become just, just tired. We've been through so much. Can't we just rest? Can't we just sit down? We understand there's a world around us dying and going to hell without Christ. We realize that there's a nation out there that is falling apart around us. But we're all so tired. Life's journey has the ability to make us all tired. There would not be a person who's truthful tonight in this room that would not say what we've been through over the last couple of years hasn't knocked the wind out of all of our sails. There would not be an honest person in this room that said, over the last several years, the journey, there's been times where we've been tired, we've been exhausted. We felt like, God, how can we endure? How can we go on? There is an enemy that would, you, would love nothing more that you gave up on your marriages, on your families, on your children, on your neighbors. There is an enemy that would love nothing more if we became so tired and worn out that we stopped and gave up on reaching the lost around us where God has strategically placed you here in Denton. You've got to just keep going. How can we read God's Word of the great men and women that went before us? They gave everything. At times they gave their very life, their blood, their sweat, their tears, at any cost. Following Christ doesn't mean that there aren't times when you're knocked to the ground and you feel like you can't get up. But because of his divine nature, his strength, we pray, God, would you give me the power? So often we chase this revival. And God is all about reviving the hearts and the lives of his children. You want revival? Then get up and take a deep breath and say, God, I am going to just... Keep going. <laughs> I'm going to seek. How about this? This year, I'm going to deliberately seek your face, not your hand. I'm going to seek your face with more endurance and vigor and passion than I ever have. How about this year? No matter what the world throws at us, church, this year, I'm going to step out and serve more than I've ever served. How about this year? <laughs> How about this year, even in the midst of an economic recession and a global meltdown, mate, I'm going to give more than I've ever given. And let me say, your giving is not out of to manipulate God for anything. If I give, he's manipulated and he owes me. You know why we give? Out of appreciation. Just out of thanks. Let me say, I thank God that you're in a church where you know your giving is being given to making a difference in the lives of people. And I'm not here to criticize anyone else, but I thank God that I know from the short time I've met you that your giving in this church isn't about so you can give your pastor a $70 million jet so that he can go and fly around the country on holidays. 
that we can be a part of a church that understand. We're so appreciative that hardworking people would give of their resource, but we don't give out a compulsion or manipulation, a formula. If you do A, B, and C, God has to give you this. He don't have to give you anything, but because he is a good dad and he's a loving dad, we give out a just thankfulness. Man, I wouldn't be here today. I wouldn't even be alive today if it wasn't for his mercy and his grace towards me. The very least I can do is honor him with my resource and my time. Come on. Come on. So Mr. Young just kept running. When everyone else was tired, exhausted, worn out, when the culture around us when this nation is being torn apart and the nation around us is exhausted and tired and worn out, the local church just keeps going <laughs> to be that beacon of light, to be that beacon of hope, to be that beacon, that oasis in the midst of a recession, a, a meltdown, a global crisis. The kingdom of God expressed through the miracle of local church no matter what they throw it throw at us oh they may knock us down but we're gonna get up and we're just gonna keep going we're just gonna keep going no matter what comes we're just gonna keep going whether this is the first second tenth pandemic whatever's ahead we as the kingdom of God are just going to keep going so Mr. Young he just kept going he ran continuously for five days, taking the lead during the first night and eventually winning by 10 hours. Before running the race, he had told the press that previously, in the old days, when he used to be back on the farm, in the old days, he had previously run for two or three days straight in his gumboots, in the mud and the rain, up rounding up the sheep to get them to safety to outrun a storm that was coming. <laughs> he said afterwards that during the race, he imagined while he was running, even though his joints hurt, his muscles hurt, he was tired, he was exhausted. Oh, the ground looked so sweet just to stop and roll up on the grass and have a sleep. Even though many times he wanted to stop, he just kept running and he imagined that he was back on the farm in the old days, just running in his gumboots, rounding up all the sheep to get them to safety, outrunning a storm that was coming. We just keep going. And we remember well <laughs> when we're tired, when we're exhausted, where we feel like, man, God, you've given us another mountain. <laughs> I don't know if I can go over another mountain. We just continue to remember well his goodness. We remember well his faithfulness. We remember well his love. We remember well the great men and women who went before us. We remember well that we are surrounded now by a great cloud of witnesses as heaven is looking to what you and I are going to do on planet earth today as a representation of the kingdom of God. Mr. Young... <laughs> He said, I just remembered well. 
The grueling run took him five days, <laughs> 15 hours and four minutes. Almost two days faster than the previous world record for any race between Sydney and Melbourne. At the podium when all the contestants were standing there and Mr Young was on the podium in the first position and he was handed a trophy, all of a sudden it was reported that he became extremely embarrassed and uncomfortable when all of a sudden he was handed a big check for $10,000. Mr Young, nervously shaking, said into the mic to all the people there that he had no idea there was even a prize. He refused to take any of the money. He gave it out of the goodness of his heart to the other people in the race that competed so hard. As we start to wrap up tonight and move into what God is wanting to do next, let me leave us with a couple of scriptures from the Word of God. The half-brother of Jesus, the Apostle James, writes this, Powerful letter to the church that had been dispersed. He had the responsibility as a leader, as an oversight, to shepherding, to apostolically leading the church. And the church had been dispersed. There was a great persecution. People were being thrown in prison. Families torn apart. People were being put to death. You talk about the wind being knocked out of your sail. And in the midst of all of that, James writes this calming powerful letter to the church. Let's read it today with the same mindset of, I imagine, how it was read 2,000 years ago. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, leading nothing. In Romans chapter 5, verse 3, it says this. We can rejoice too. When we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character. And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. And back to the book of James again. James chapter 1 verse 12. God blesses those. Do you want to be blessed tonight? Oh, three people. No one else? Oh, seriously, do you... Do you do you want the blessing of God? I, I do. <laughs> if you want the blessing of God, let's read on. God blesses those who patiently endure. <laughs> endure testing and temptation. Afterwards, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised those who love Him. Do you love God? No, seriously. Do you love God? Then keep going. Keep enduring. Don't give up. Husband, fight for your marriages. Fight for your families. Don't give up. Wives, 
Don't give up on us men. Don't give up on your kids. Church, don't give up on this community. God has strategically planted you here. So often in church culture, we're running around the countryside. Oh, the grass is greener over there where God is moving. You know where the grass is greenest? Where God has you planted today. Be a part of the miracle of what God is doing in your life today. Just keep going. Gracious God and Heavenly Father, God is your church, your church. Our fears, our baggage, our failures, our inhibitions, our anxiety. <laughs> oh God, sometimes I, I look at it and I feel like you have such a rag-torn, dysfunctional church, but you are hopelessly head over heels in love with your church. God, I thank you that you are breathing the revelation of endurance back into the lives of your disciples. That you are causing a hunger and a perseverance and a passion. That you are causing a hunger and a desire to reach the lost, to reach this nation. That anything that is being thrown at us, God, you are giving us the endurance supernaturally. God, it's an endurance that this world will never comprehend. You are giving us a strength and an endurance through your great Holy Spirit, through us and in us, that this world could never know. Oh, Father, would we be bold? Would we roar again with the sound of your kingdom? Father, would we have such a, a renewed strength of hope, of endurance, a confidence in you that you have not brought us this far to abandon us. We rejoice and remember well the miracles of yesterday. Oh, but we fix our gaze ahead. Oh, we have an excitement and an anticipation and a passion and a hunger oh, of God, of what you are going to do in our lives and through our lives. Here we are, Lord. Use us for your glory. Right now, I'm going to ask if God by his Holy Spirit is speaking hope is refreshing you, if God is breathing by His Holy Spirit, if there is a cry in you that just says, God, fill me with endurance again. Let it ignite a fire in my heart. God, uh, somewhere along the journey over the last several years, it's like everything we've been through has knocked the wind out of my sail. But let me sense the wind of your Holy Spirit blowing afresh in my life through my witness, through my love, through my family. If there is a cry in your heart tonight, God, breathe afresh in me. Would you just raise your hand? Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Breathe afresh in me. Breathe afresh in me. You can put those hands down. Why is it that the children are always the first to put their hand up? 
oh God, that we would become like children. Why don't we all stand up? Jesus. God, I thank you for those ones that raised their hand, a prayer, a, a declaration, a cry, regardless of their age. We come to you as children, your children. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand tonight. If you can think of one person in your family, I asked it last night. I'm going to ask you again. You can think of a neighbor, a friend, a work associate, a family member that is either away from the Lord or that doesn't know the Lord. Let me see your hand. Raise your hand. Keep your hand up. Father, I pray that by your great Holy Spirit, you would ignite a fire in the hearts of each of us with our hands raised. There should not be anyone here with a, without their hands raised. We should all, our lives should be filled with people around us that we are reaching and building relationship who don't know Christ. Father, that you would cause such a sense of urgency, urgency to grip our hearts. That God, we are part of building the kingdom of God, that the great commission responsibility has been passed to us. Ignite a fire, God. Ignite a fire in our hearts and our lives. Continue to fan the flame, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I want to remind us all, and, and I've, I, if ever, I, I do not use the platform, me personally, to, to use it as a, a political soapbox, but I, I want to remind us all, moving forward in this great nation, uh, whatever your political preference is, let us all be reminded that whoever comes into power moving forward in this nation doesn't catch God off guard. <laughs> God's not like, oh my goodness, I was on a mission trip overseas. I missed the election. I didn't see that coming. <laughs> Whether it was, it's fair or legal, whatever. But let us always remember that whenever you have leaders in power that do their best to honor the principles of God, that would, it will always go better for that nation. But regardless, let's be reminded, come on, regardless of who is in power, it doesn't change the mandate and the responsibility of the local church. Regardless of if we have powers in this country who are supportive and sympathetic and encouraging to the cause of the local church, or we have powers leading this country who are against everything we stand for, it doesn't matter. It doesn't change the responsibility. Our marching orders come from the kingdom of God. Regardless, it doesn't change the mandate of the local church. Governments will come, governments will go. Parties will come, they will go. Nothing changes. Our endurance, our ability to stand up and draw a line in the sand and call it as it is in love through the eyes of the kingdom of God 
Our endurance, our passion, our enthusiasm doesn't come from the government. It comes from Christ, the kingdom of God. And it is so important, friends, as we move forward. I'm not here tonight to say, verily, verily, thus says the Lord, this is what is about to happen in this great nation. But as I read the Bible, <laughs> and I do know this, as we get closer to the return of the Lord Jesus Christ, whether that's in our lifetime or the next, whenever that is, if you think things are crazy now, you ain't seen nothing yet. Why should we be surprised? <laughs> Why should we see the craziness? Should we be moved and grieved? Yes. Some might say, well, if everything's going to fall apart and come undone, what's the point? The point is, that has always been the mandate and the DNA and the culture of the kingdom of God in the midst of the darkness the kingdom of God, God's people have, have always stood up and, and lit a light, a message of hope. In the midst of the darkness, that's when the kingdom of God shines its brightest. In the midst of hopelessness, when everyone else is, is running in the other direction, that's when the local church, the kingdom of God, we run head on into the darkness. <laughs> when everyone is giving up, this country is being torn apart. <laughs> we just can't get on anymore. There's no hope. When everything is being torn apart with agendas behind us, stand up. That is when the kingdom of God stands up and says, hey, mate, you might have a different skin color. You might even talk funny to we Australians. We may be so different, but in Christ, we're brothers. You know, I might li listen to this music. I might not get you because you might even listen to country music, and I just don't get that. <laughs> but in Christ, how, how can I love somebody that is different to me unless I first know what it is to be accepted and loved by the Creator? You know, we live in a culture today. Uh, that's why the message of love of the kingdom of God, the organism of the local church, the world will never get. The world could never understand why we are tearing each other apart. A crazy thing, According to the scripture, doesn't mean I, I've lost my sense of who I am, but we're one in Christ. No Jew, no Gentile, male, fear. We're one in Christ by people. No, no, no. I don't want to lose my identity. We read the Bible. People say, the Bible has no clue how to heal the racial divide. I'm like, ha, are you serious? Don't you read the New Testament? You have Jews that were God's chosen people that had an inherent hatred to the Gentile. And now, because of what Christ has done, Jews and Gentiles, Jews and Romans, that we've been under the tyranny and the oppression of the Roman Empire, but now <laughs> we're meant to sit down at a table together 
and I'm meant to embrace you and love you as a brother, as a sister, (laughs) the world will never get that right. But the kingdom of God, the message of the kingdom of God. See, we live in a culture today, even in church, where it's like the gospel needs help. Oh, the gospel's not good enough. The message of Christ just doesn't cut it. We, we, we need to create a more improved gospel. Oh, I didn't really mean that. We need to morph it and change it into something that's more culturally accepted today. <laughs> the gospel don't need our help. <laughs> the miracle of the cross, amen? The shed blood of Jesus Christ for every man, woman, and child alive. The only thing I can take to heaven isn't my gold and platinum albums. <laughs> isn't my Grammy nominations. Oh, look what I got. Isn't my degrees. <laughs> the only thing I can take to heaven with me is my beautiful wife, my children, and people that I have allowed you, the Lord to use me to reach others for the kingdom of God. The power of a testimony. The power of church. Victory world outreach. We're just going to keep going. <laughs> oh, we're going to keep going. Oh, the best is yet to come. We're just going to keep going. And we're, get, we're going to dare to believe God to do great things. Not because we're so amazing, but because He is. And we get to partner and be a part of the most incredible time in this nation, in this world's history. Amen. Would you bow your heads? Gracious God and Heavenly Father, I thank you tonight. for what your Holy Spirit has accomplished. I I thank you tonight that it has permeated deep in our hearts endurance. Oh God, we know that there is an enemy that is wanting to knock the endurance out of our sail. (laughs) Oh God, but by your great Holy Spirit, you've come to breathe afresh this night to stir up your church. God, I thank you for victory, world, outreach. Father, that you have called this church to reach the world, but the world starts in our own backyard where we're planted. (laughs) Where you have strategically placed this church on this highway to be a hospital, to be a refuge, to be a beacon of hope, to be a vehicle of the kingdom of God. God, that this house would be such a testimony of lives changed, that this house would have such a passion and such a love for the kingdom of God, such a love for being in your presence, that, God, we would passionately go out of our ways to the highways, to the byways, to our communities, to our families, to our homes. God, we would deliberately and passionately 
bring people to church. Oh God, let it be the norm that we see 5, 10, 20, 30 people every week coming to know Christ for the first time. Just keep going. God, that we would not stop, that we would not sit down and give up, that we would not short-circuit or abort the miracle work and process that you are wanting to do in our lives. So often we want the miracle now. I want the breakthrough now. I want the provision now. I want it now in Jesus' name. I command the miracle now. So often, God, there is a process. You're wanting us to walk through the storm. To face the opposition. To be stretched. At times it seems like we're knocked down, but we're not defeated. We get up. Thank you for this great church. Continue to bless them. Thank you for the miracle of the finances. That we would be people who are so passionate of giving our time and our resource to the kingdom of God. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening. If you want to hear more messages, please subscribe to our podcast channel. And if you like it, consider rating it and sharing it with your friends. For more content from VWO Denton, go to our website at vwotexas.com.